morning, the title of our message, Why Am I Still Crawling? Do you remember when you used to crawl? No, you better say no because you don't remember that. Since 1986, Pastor Greg Boyle, or as the neighborhood knew him as G-Dog, had been engaging in the gangs of Los Angeles with the gospel every day. He would enter into the danger zones of his community where people were getting killed and murdered because of the gang violence. He was connecting young men and women who had prison records, who had arrest records that were so long. He would share the good news of Jesus with them and call for them to break away from their wicked way of life to turn to Christ for salvation. The message was simple. The message was real. You can have a future with Jesus or a funeral. That was the choice he gave him. He said, Jesus will forgive your sin, wash your past clean in the eyes of God, and give you a hope and a future. To date, this ministry has seen thousands leave their pseudo-family of gang life for the real family of God by faith in Christ. And that's not because Pastor Boyle watered down the gospel. No, in fact, the opposite. He made it very plain and simple that when you come to Jesus, your life is radically changed. It breaks through all the destruction of your sin-filled life, and it gives you hope and a life eternal. Since 1986, 1,500 gang members had trusted Christ and taken steps for a new direction, new guidance. They learned a new language. They bought new clothes that identified them of a new way of life. Kind of sounds like what we've been going through in Ephesians, doesn't it? The Bible says that a true Christian undergoes a metamorphosis, a change, a change in nature that renovates our core values and imprints Christ in our life. That change comes from the inside out. The speed of that change, that overhaul, as I like to call it, is called sanctification. It's that progress in our Christian life. It's different from person to per person, but certainly there is a change. It's rock solid and it is known and it's expected as a Christian. We cannot read the New Testament and hear that Christians sit the fence of Christianity. You are either a believer, follower of Jesus, and you are following his word, or you are not. It's as simple as that. And I like simple because I'm just a simple guy. See, this change calls for a radical change. Again, starts inwardly, and our behavior is different. We live differently. There's a connection between our inner world and then our inner world, our actions are shown of what's inside of us. The Bible tells us that all of us someday, Romans chapter 2 verse 6, and 1 Corinthians chapter 3 tells us that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For us that know Jesus Christ our Savior, and we will give a response of what we've done here on earth. So as we continue on this message, as we close out the book of Ephesians, I want you to put a circle around yourself and say, okay, how am I with God? Because it might seem that I am preaching to the choir, and I hope that I am, but far too long the church has been apathetic and complacent when it comes to following God and his ways. 
See, there needs to be signs. There needs to be deeds that we do because we are followers of Christ. Jesus was talking in Matthew chapter 12 to a group of spiritual posers. You know what a poser is? Someone who pretends to be something that they're not. Well, it was that, that parable that by your fruit you will know them. And the statement in that passage, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I mean, I think I can fake my true identity for a while. Probably some of us maybe have lived that way. We can, fake, we can make people believe something that's not true about us, right? But eventually the truth will come out. Your actions will show who you are. But before we jump into Ephesians chapter 4 this morning, I want us to turn to 1 John. 1 John this morning. You say, why are we going to 1 John? Well, just hang on a minute. This is a passage of scripture that talks of the same verbiage that Paul did in Ephesians. Listen, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a follower of God, this is what your life looks like. And if you're not, this is what your life looks like. It's pretty just basic. Let's read 1 John 2, 3, and 4, and the, the words will be in the screen in front of you if you um, want to follow along. John says this, And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. There is a new norm in the lives of believers. They obey God, don't they? This is our instruction manual. We obey God. Then John continues. Look at verses 5 and 6. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk. Again, that word there in the Greek means to behave, to do life. So you're to behave in the way in which he, Jesus, walked. So you may be asking, why are we in 1 John? We should be in Ephesians. Well, I'm glad you asked that question, even if you didn't. See, Paul wrote the book of Ephesians in about 60, 65 A.D. to the church of Ephesus. Christians who were struggling, who were getting inundated with false teaching. We know that the apostle John, do you remember where he spent the latter part of his life? He spent it in the church of Ephesus. It is believed, theologians and historians believe that John was writing to the children of the recipients of Paul in the church of Ephesus. And the content is the same. If you are going to be a Christian, if you are going to say you're a Christ follower, this is what your life looks like. So just imagine if Paul was writing us a letter today, John is writing it to my kids 30 years later with the same content. It is important that we understand that if we are calling ourselves followers of Jesus, there needs to be deeds. There needs to be behavior that shows that. See, like Ephesians, this letter was about the basics of our faith in Christ. It helped the readers in 2,000 years removed from this passage of Scripture. It helps us to evaluate our faith. And if we truly are followers of Jesus, if we truly trusted Christ as our Savior, if there's truly a change in our life. So here's John, 30 years later, reiterating what Paul was telling the same church. Christians ought to live like Jesus. They ought to resemble Jesus. 
so that people see us, they are drawn to Jesus. Is that our life today? I hope that it is. Again, we need to take inventory today as we close out on this. Take inventory. Where are you with Christ? Look what he says in 1 John 2.15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now we understand that word world doesn't mean Jesus told us that we live in the world, not of the world. But do we as Christians follow the world's philosophies, follow the world's counsel, follow the world in everything we do? If you do that, you are a lover of the world. And John says, listen, you can't love the world and be lovers of God. But if you're like me, when you read passages like this, you kind of are stopped in your tracks. How do I measure up? Are you there with me? How do I measure up with this? I've got to be perfect to be a follower of Jesus. And we know the answer to that is what? No, he can't be because we're depraved individuals who need Jesus to be anything. So how am I supposed to be this butterfly? I'm supposed to metamorphosis into a butterfly, but I'm still crawling on my hands and knees in my spiritual walk. This morning, I want us to take really, really important evaluation of our life. I may say some things you might have to put your steel toe boots on, but that's okay. You wear steel toe boots for a reason, right? If we are still on our hands and knees crawling through this Christian life, and we've been saved 20, 30, 40, 50 years, there is a problem. You're not still crawling on your hands and knees as an adult, right? You know, when our kids, when they were crawling around, when they would muster their way up at the coffee table and stand, they started walking, it was all over. Why? Because they never went back to crawling, right? But spiritually, many of us, many in the the Christian faith today, are still crawling like toddlers, like infants. I want to show us several things this morning. I want to flag some important points where the rubber hits the road here for us. You've never tapped into the power that's in you. You've never experienced what God can do in your life when you give it all to him. And he walks you through the struggles and the trials. And yes, even through the temptation. And when we do fall in sin, God picks us back up because he took care of it on the cross for us. Or you're the individual who's been living the pseudo life, the fake life of being a Christian all your life. And you're crawling and you're crawling and you're crawling because you never really truly came to faith in Christ Jesus. And how many people do I know in my lifetime who went to Christian school, Christian colleges, one guy was even went into the ministry and later on found out, you know what, I'm truly not a believer. But what's good about this, when you find that out and you realize God's giving you that, 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 that moment saying, you know what, you truly need me in your life, make the decision because, man, God will give you fresh and new spirit that will live inside you and you can be finally called a believer and a Christian. Don't let that go by because at some time you will stand before God and give an answer for them. You might be a church attender. You might be involved in ministry. You might know everything about the Bible. You can name all the books of the Bible. Good for you. But you never personally put your faith and trust in Christ. That's why you're still crawling. Are you ready to stand? We can show you how to do it.
Paul even said it's a struggle in the Christian life. We look at Romans 7, 15. He says, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not, I do, not do what I want, and I do the very thing I hate. There's this battle in all of us who know Christ, the old nature, new nature, it's constantly fighting and struggling. And what, we, what, what, what beast we feed the most is what's going to win. Paul struggled with this. He even, we even read in Revelation chapter 12 where we know Satan probably even at this moment is standing before the very presence of God hurling accusations at us as believers. That's what scripture tells us. So no wonder we are so messed up in our minds when we fail. We're so messed up because Satan is in our minds saying you're worthless. You're nothing. See, God can't use you. God doesn't want you. But we know because 27 times in the book of Ephesians in Christ. We could Romans 8, 1. There is therefore no, say it with me, condemnation. Say it with me. Condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad for that? When Satan gets in your mind saying, you are worthless, you are nothing, we point, no, I know I am, but he's everything. He's everything. Remember that 27 times in Christ. We are in Christ so why are we still crawling around our spiritual life? Why can't we get up on that coffee table and start walking? Well, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, 17 through 19. But again, today is, is just, I want us to take evaluation. Just take evaluation of how you're doing in your Christian walk. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus. Man, we want you to become a follower of Christ. We want you to trust Christ. Let's start at verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. So let's stop there for a minute. Let's break this passage of Scripture down for us. I believe Paul gives the church six failings of maturity here. If we are going to continue to crawl, if we are not going to mature, we will have these six things or some of these six things in our life. And it's failures to mature. So let's look at the first one, worldliness. It says there in this passage of Scripture, no longer walk. Again, that word means to behave or to do life. As the Gentiles do. See, the implication here towards the Gentiles, when Paul referenced the Gentiles in Scripture, he was referencing to the point, listen, don't live the way they do. They, they are worldly. They are pagans. You don't want to live the way they do if you're a follower of Christ. Don't believe. Don't behave the way that they do. It's worldly. Christians don't live this way. Number two, futile thinking. It says there in this passage, in the futility of their mind, this pertains to always going after the useless, going after the, the empty, the temporal things. You're not focused on the spiritual. If you're living life, pursuing everything else, not focusing on anything that's worth anything spiritually, you have futile thinking. Think about your life. What do you pursue in your life? Does, has, it, has it anything to do with God? Anything to do with spirituality? Are we empty-minded, useless in our thinking? What I mean by that is we're pursuing things that do not matter. 
Number four, the hardened of heart. Are you stubborn, unwilling to learn the Word of God? He uses the word callous in this passage of Scripture. This is the ability, the capacity to not be embarrassed or shamed because you're calloused. I play guitar, played for many, many years. If you would ask Abe or myself or Dave Redman or Eric, we have calluses on the fingertips while we play guitar because for years our fingers, or not for years, months, our fingers would bleed. You say, really? Yeah, they would. Because you kept playing, those strings would indent your fingers, but eventually what happens? You get calluses. Now don't ask me to see them. It's, you know, you're not going to hold my hand this morning. But there's calluses on our fingertips. And I'm, when, I, when we play, you ask Asa, when we play, we don't even feel the strings anymore. Some of us, our hearts are that way. We have just suppressed the Holy Spirit so much in our life that when he's calling, hey, Jason, hey, I'm down here. And he wants to show us the sin that's in our life. He wants to reveal to us what's going on. We can't hear him. Why? Because we've suppressed him. We're calloused. Number five, sensuality. It's the lack of moral restraint, immoral sexual behavior, depraved. And it follows number six, greed. You are just going after your own happiness. Whatever fulfills your desire and your need, you're pursuing it. In this context, in with Gentiles were participating in, it was sexual in nature. Paul is telling the church, this is not how we are to live. This is how the Gentiles live. When we are living new life in Christ, we live differently. So the question I ask is, do you live differently in your life? Do you live every day differently? Do you look different from your friends and your family and your co-workers who don't know Jesus? I hope you do. But there's a transition here. Look at verse 20. There's that transitional word, but. Paul says this, but that is not the way you learn Christ, is it? For us that are here this morning... That's not how we lived, learned to live for Christ, is it? Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belonged to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceit desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. I believe Paul here has given us three areas. So you're, I want you to write, they'll be on the screen, I want you to write these down. Okay, I, I want you to look at me this morning, this, this last part of this message, I want you to look at me as a coach. Okay, I've coached many sporting events in my time, and I would, had teams that were good, I've had teams that were bad, but there's one thing that we always ended practice with. Listen, you need to work on these things outside of practice. You can't be just a practice athlete. You must work on these things outside. Right, Mark? That's how you're going to be a good athlete. So as Christians, we need to take these things and now apply it to our lives. Okay, I need to do these things if I'm going to get off, off my hands and knees and stop the crawl. This is what I need to do to be a mature Christian and follow through with it for your own sake. Because I have to do this. We, as I preach, I'm doing this in my life many times as this week is very convicting for me. Number one, first application this morning is this. Put off the old self. Put off the old self. In other words, here's, how, here's what it boils down to. Stop doing what you used to do. Right? Stop doing what you used to do. That's the old self. 
Verse 22, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and it is corrupt through deceitful desires. Let me ask you this morning, what is your aim? What is your desire? What is your focus in life? Is it to be popular? Is it to have all your friends like you? Is it to be the popular person or the, or the most, uh, 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 the richest person? What, 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 is, what, is your, what is your end game in life? Have you answered that yet? I know what the Sunday school answer is. To live for Jesus. Yes, so I hope so. But many times we don't live that way. Playing a lot of sports in my life, for those that have played, for the time I was a little guy, my dad out in the backyard playing with me, the phone, the, every sport that I played, I never played golf because I don't like golf. Sorry, Professor Frank. Um, any other sport that I played, here was the phrase that my dad and my coaches always told me. Keep your eye on the ball. Right? If you don't keep your eye on the ball, you're not going to play any sport well. <laughs> right? As Christians, we need to keep our eyes on the prize. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Or we're not going to walk in maturity. We are going to continue to crawl. Ephesians 4, 17-20, Paul is telling us the target is to be like Christ. And it's a blunt command followed by an explanation. Listen, do not live this way of the Gentiles. We went through those six things. Paul saying, you, your life must, not, no longer res, must no longer resemble that way of life. But now it needs to resemble that of Christ. So Paul says, we did not learn Christ that way. Did you? You've learned to walk away. Put off the old. Seeking to look for the prize of Christ. Because all we want to hear at the end is those famous words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Right? That's what we want to hear at the end of our life. Not only are we to put off the old self, number two is this. We need to cut all ties from the former life. And many of you did that. Look at verses 21 and 22. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off the old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. I want us to look at that, 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 those two words, put off. It describes a decisive moment. It is not a gradual decision. Actually, the verb literally means to strip away. Have you ever been cold and wet? And clothes soaking wet? Cold? Yes. Has anyone, when you came in to get cleaned up, did everyone, anyone just put a warm pair, a warm jacket or warm pants on you over the wet clothes? No, that's absolutely foolishness, right? Because you're still, you're still going to be cold. See, Paul is using this analogy, strip off. When that happens to you, you take off your clothes and you're putting on warm clothes. Why? Because it's new. It's fresh. And that's what Paul is saying here with her old life. You separate yourself from your old way of life, the way that you used to live life, and you separate yourself from it. Look what he says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And that word there in the Greek means to change into something, to be changed differently by the renewal of your mind. That by testing that you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect. 
Paul says, get rid of the old ways. And many in here, you have. You remember the way of life you used to live before coming to Jesus, and there is a change. There is a difference. Don't go to those websites anymore. Don't open those magazines anymore. Don't turn on the television. Don't go to those social media sites. Don't hang out with those friends that are taking you places you know that's going to draw, draw you down a wrong path. Just don't do it. Totally detach yourself from that way of life. One of the greatest theologians in the history of Christianity was Augustine of Hippo. Before he became a follower of Christ, he lived a very debauched lifestyle, immorality, drinking, whole nine yards. When he came to Christ, he was walking down the street uh, one day, and his mistress yelled across to him. Her name was Claudia. Augustine! Augustine! He ignored her, continued to walk. She ran up to him, Augustine, it's me, it's Claudia. And here's the words that he told her. It is no longer I, Augustine. It's no longer me. And continued walking. What was he doing? He was separating himself from his old way of life and walking a new direction. That's what we as Christians need to do. And some of us have already have done that 20, 30, 40 years ago. Because that's what Christ's change does in us. Going back to our opening illustration of, of, the, of the gang illustration of this church, Pastor Greg. It was a fulfilling ministry. But some of the gang members were still kind of they were being hurt. They were being noticed out in the community by the fellow gangs and still going after them and their families, even though they were not part of that lifestyle. And what identified them was their tattoos. And so the church got together and said, you know, how can we help these brothers and sisters totally divorce themselves from that way of life? So they brought, got a lot of money together, and they said any gang member that wants to get, go through surgery to get those tattoos removed that identified them with their gang, we're going to do it. It's up to you. It's your choice. And every gang member that was in that church that had some marking of, that represented a gang, guess what? They went through the surgery. It was a painful surgery. Grease poured on, ripping off your skin. It was painful. But as the illustration goes on, they said, it's worth every bit of it to totally get away from that lifestyle. So for us, it probably is painful losing friends. It probably is painful losing family when you came to Christ. And some of you did. Your families think you're a freak, you think you're weird, they want nothing to do with you because you hold the name of Jesus. You live differently. But it's worth it all. Because we don't live for this life. Not only do we put off the old self, not only do we cut the ties to our former life. Number three is this. We are renewed by putting on the new. We are renewed by putting on the new. Look at verses 22 and 20, 23 and 24, excuse me. And to be renewed, and that word there in the original language means to cause something to become new or different. So Paul's telling them, listen, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Your minds need to be renewed 
and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That word renewed means it's ongoing. It's not like I wake up one day, I'm renewed, okay, I'm good to go. No, this is an ongoing process. The spirit of your mind is something like it's the ability, it's that discernment that God gives you and, and you're able to, you, you, before you renewed your mind, before maybe uh, we were walking a, a path that we shouldn't have walked, we weren't strong in our faith, or maybe before we were Christians, that temptation would fly under the radar and it would get us every time. But now because we're renewed in our minds, we're renewed in our spirit, guess what? We catch that before it becomes trouble. And we're able to act on it, we're able to get away from it. See, that word transformation, that language of Romans chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4 is what we're reading. It's that progression of that interchange, degree by degree. The goal is the same. True Christians take on the image. They resemble Christ in how we live. You may ask this, so how, so how can this happen to me? Pay careful, careful attention here, church. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being, if that word circle, that transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. How do we renew our minds? I'm holding up, you can answer. It's the Word of God. This is how God speaks to us today, through His Word. If we're to be renewed, don't you think we should be students of this book? All of us. Not just during Sunday, not just during Wednesday night Bible study or prayer time, but every day. You ever remember that illustration, you are what you eat, right? I think the same is true. What you put before you become. If you are constantly on social media, if you're constantly involved with, with social media and the whole aspects, and you have the television, you're watching movies, you're constantly, that is your life. Athletics, that is your life. That's all that you do, all that you do, all that you do, all your hobbies, whatever you put in front of you, guess what? That will be your life. How many of us can say that we put the Word of God that much in front of us so we can have a renewed spirit, a renewed mind? See, this verse is saying, and, and Paul is saying, listen, if you look deeply into the glory of God, into his word, our minds will be reprogrammed, and we will take on the very mind of Christ. Is that what you want? I, I do, and I hope the same for you. Let's look at that passage in Ephesians 4 again. Let's just look at this, the, the, these, this, this verse, verses 22 through 24, to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life. Hopefully we've gotten rid of our old self. It creeps up on us sometimes. We've got to put it away. It was our former way of living. We don't want it anymore. And it's corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. So you, you gave me the answer. How do we see the glory of God? How, to, how are we renewed through his word? Psalms 119.11 I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God my kids learned that since they were kids I learned that when I was a little toddler it seems basic 
But if we are truly going to renew our hearts and our minds, we need to be inundated in God's Word. Right? I love this illustration. Leroy Emmis told of how the Bible worked in his life. As a new Christian, he was reading through Colossians, and he came to chapter 3, verse 8, and it says this, But now it is a time to get rid of anger, rage, malice behavior, slander, and dirty language. Leroy said, I tried to slide past it, but it kept bringing me back to the words, get rid of anger. See, Leroy had a violent temper. Whenever it flared, he would haul up and bash his fist to the nearest door or through the nearest wall. Even though I had often bloodied my knuckles and once completely smashed a ring my wife gave me, I couldn't seem to stop. Yet there was God's word, get rid of anger. It's a command. God's telling him this. So Leroy continues, he says, so I made a, a covenant with God. I promised him I was going to work on it. My first step was to memorize this verse and review it daily. I prayed and asked the Lord to bring this verse to mind whenever I might be tempted to lose my temper and get angry. I even asked my wife to pray for me and remind me of this verse if she saw me failing in that promise to the Lord. So Colossians 3.8 became a part of my life, and God gradually removed that from my life because he was in the word. I love, he uses this word, he goes, when I marinated my mind, I love that word, I marinated my mind in God's truth, his eternal truth. It changed my thinking, it changed the way I viewed things. How about you? Do we need to get back into God's word? Do we need to put off the old, walk away from our former way of life when those temptations arise and push them to a side? Do we, have we put on the new? Are we renewing our minds daily? Do you remember what happened to the church of Ephesus? Revelation chapter 2, they lost their first love. They were no longer an impact spiritually in their community. Because they failed to renew, they failed to put off the old and put on the new. Again, as we read in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, to the church of Ephesus, even a generation later, still struggling. Listen, church, one day this is all going to be over. Our life is going to be gone, and we are going to be in one of two places, either heaven or hell. We need to deliberately focus on our target. Who are you living for this means stripping away the world in our life and to resemble Jesus. That's all that matters. So I have this illustration as I close this morning. Okay, so this is a rope. No dudge. It looks like a rope. Yeah. All right. This red tape represents God's redemptive plan in history. This is creation, fall, flood, Abraham, the cross, the church. And here we are. Here we are here, waiting for death, that sounds bad, or the rapture, and Jesus will come and claim his church. Yeah, amen, that's what we hope for. This is eternity past. This is eternity future. And here are we, here's your life and my life. This little strand of rope is right there. Are we living for this? Because this, if we're just living for our life here, What's James tell us? It's gone in a vanish. 
So if we live life according to Ephesians 4 and Ephesians 5, that we live and we emulate Christ and we resemble Christ, that is going to last for eternity. And maybe you're here today, you don't know Jesus. This is your best life now. Because this, we don't want you to go through without Christ. And so, church, we need to ask ourselves, am I just living for this little strand of a moment in time compared to eternity? Or am I going to live my life for God because I know it's going to last me forever and ever and ever? You make the choice. What will you do? Are you going to continue to crawl? Or are we going to start getting up and being mature followers of Christ? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for your word that challenges us, that convicts us, that admonishes us. Lord, help us to leave here this morning with a plan. We know we all struggle with things in our life. A plan that will get us where we need to be with you. That means being in your word. That means renewing our heart, renewing our mind, putting away the past, putting away the thoughts that Satan puts in, saying that we're condemned, that, that we're nothing, that we're worthless, that we can and say, because of Christ. Because of Christ. If you're here today and you're maybe struggling with just your walk with Christ, well, the good news is he's there with you and he wants you to give your life to him today. Maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you've been crawling for a long period of time. Guess what? Today could be the day where you change that and you start living renewed for Christ. Or maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior. Oh man, we would love to introduce you how you can know this Jesus that will change your life. Amen, Christians? This Jesus that has changed our lives for the better, knowing that in eternity we will be with him forever and that he has taken care of our sin and has paid the debt for us. We love to introduce you to that Jesus. Please seek us out. Father, Thank you for this day. Give us a great rest of the day of fellowship with friends and family. Precious name.